influencers. Let's get bouge. Listen to Abe Thompson for an hour. I'd rather fuck a blood relative. It's Abe Thompson. Yo, yo, yo! Hey guys, welcome to episode 168 of A. Thompson and Other Disappointments. Uh, I am back. It's been a week of sailing on the Norfolk Broads for me. Um, I've been out of town. I've had a very uncharacteristic uh, Easter break. Don't think I can speak tonight. Um, normally, like we spend half terms and sort of Easter holidays and stuff like at home, tearing our hair out. You know, kids climbing up the walls. Me telling myself that, you know, if these kids, if we, if this family were in America, we probably would have buckled and got our kids diagnosed with some shit by now. I mean, like, like dosed them up on God knows what, the way that they do out there. Um, you know, I mean, obviously I don't agree with that. You know, kids are hard work. They do fuck around. They do break things and kick off and throw tantrums. But I don't agree with, you know, taking your parenthood challenges to your GP and just saying shit like, sometimes he's uh, he's really full of beans. Sometimes he's got a lot of energy. So could you, could you just, uh, you know, sedate him for a bit? Now, that's the vibe I get from the US, is just medicate your kids out of being annoying. <laughs> like, I get it. I do. But I don't want to do that. Um, but, you know, don't get me wrong, someone's getting medicated out of this, this dynamic. If it's not your kids, it's you, dear listeners, uh, or me, more accurately. <laughs> um, I'm like, I don't feel like putting dangerous, mind-altering chemicals into my kids yeah okay fine but do you want three ipas at 2 p.m aid yes yes i do <laughs> someone's getting medicated when my kids are full of beans um and and when it's like half terms and holidays and shit but anyway look this one was different this easter holidays slightly different i think my girlfriend was like look let's just get the fuck out of here let's get away for a week you know you like boats right you know, and coffees on the boardwalk in the morning and countryside. Like, let's just go to Norfolk for a weekend. So off we went, dear listeners. And it's funny, like, I always associate Norfolk with, um, uh, well, two things, I suppose. Like, one, Alan Partridge, right? I mean, you know, we all do. You think Norfolk, you think Alan Partridge, I think. But the other thing that I think of is my dad, who used to live there. You know what, actually, they're kind of, you know, they're kind of one one and the same. Alan Partridge and my dad. Like, my dad's name is Alan. He lived in Norfolk. He worked for the BBC. His ex-wife's name is Carol. He's a local radio DJ. Like, honestly, like, for a short while, I honestly wondered if my dad was, like, the original inspo for Steve Coogan's character. Because he ticks so many of the boxes. Like, it's fucking eerie. And I remember, like, one time, one time thinking, like, okay, look, Aid, you know, don't get carried away. But just, you know, if he were the inspiration, if he were, how might that have happened? What is the connection, if any, to Steve Coogan? 
with your old man. You know, let's let's backtrack this because he truly is. He is very Alan Partridge. So I was like, how might this have happened? What is the connection? And here's where I got to. Right. So my dad worked for the BBC. He was a contracted in producer at Radio 2 for a bit. Right. But before that, he did local radio and it, that was BBC. And then before that, years before, he worked in like local commercial radio. And one of those local commercial radio stations was in Wiltshire called GWR, Great Western Radio. But at the time, pretty sure it was called like Wiltshire Radio, WR. And right. So here's where it gets interesting. So do you know who else worked there at that time? Same time as my dad at Wiltshire Radio? Chris fucking Morris. I'm not even kidding. Chris Morris of Brass Eye fame. And Chris Morris and Steve Coogan went on to front the day today, right? Which was a sort of prelude to Brass Eye. So is it possible? I wondered in my slightly naive, probably very deluded and, you know, hungover mind. Is it possible that Chris Morris met my dad at Wiltshire Radio, told Steve Coogan about him, about his way, about his demeanour, his name, his ex-wife or, you know, at that time. And it kind of took root in Coogan's mind as inspiration when they were doing the characters for the day to day. Is that possible? Probably not. But, but still, like it is weird, isn't it? All those boxes ticked. Ex-BBC boomer guy called Alan, ex-wife Carol, Norfolk. It just, I don't know, it plays on my mind a bit, guys. I'm not going to lie. So anyway, look, yes, I'm back from Norfolk. Uh, hell of a week to take off too, wasn't it? Like there's so much going on in the last, I mean, there always is. Every week is just jam-packed full of scandal and corruption and and everything. But like, did you guys hear about the, uh, the BBC interview with Elon Musk? Fucking hell. What a car crash. Cheers, by the way. I mean, look, I get that it's hard being a journalist. I do. I get that it must be intimidating being sat opposite arguably the most famous CEO in the world right now. And God knows I'm not one to criticise, am I? Like, I'm certainly not the world's best interviewer. Like, most of my interviewees are sort of, you know, what mates I've made through Twitter or, you know, stand up and political people that I already agree with or whatever. But but the few times I have had guests on with whom I disagree, like, I don't know, Dapper Laughs, for example, I've pushed back when they've told me something that I don't think is quite right. But listening to this interview, man, I mean, it was for, it was for uh, the Americast BBC podcast, which is, um, I don't know if you know this, it's uh, Emily Maitlis's old BBC podcast. She used to do that. So, you know, big shoes to fill, I know. Huge likelihood that whoever fronts that show is not going to be the next Maitlis. I understand that. But this was just like, I don't know, man, question after question of, so do you, um, so did, uh, do, do you regret anything or, you know, do, do you have any regrets at all? You know, and then Musk would vaguely answer 
And then the guy's like, okay, yep, yeah, uh, well, next next question. I'm like, I is that it? <laughs> is that it? No follow-up? No challenge? No, like, you know, the way that interviewers slash journalists will prod and peel back the layers. There was no, like, um, you know, uh, hang on a second, mate. You know, you say that X, Y, Z, but actually it's pretty well documented that blah, blah, blah. Like, here is this guy, you know, that says that he's been chasing an interview with Elon Musk for months. This is some coveted thing. He's chasing this for And this is the caliber of in interrogation that you've got for him? It's like, you know, fucking imagine a cross-examination with OJ Simpson, but the prosecution are just like, so what is your favorite color? And he's like, uh, 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 blue. Uh, no further questions, Your Honor. Like, that was it? <laughs> like, I know it's a podcast, and God knows I love some quick-fire podcast questions, but this was like a fucking whole hour of that. What's what's your favorite song? <laughs> would you uh, would you do anything different? Uh, okay. Oh, yeah. uh, but what about regrets? You got any regrets? Uh, did I ask you if you've done anything? Did, would you do anything different again? You know, again and again. Like there was one one bit. Well, there was a couple of bits that stuck out for me. But the, the first bit was like how haphazard it had appeared to everyone outside of Twitter when he took over and sacked thousands of people in the first month or something, right? And Musk was like, yeah, it was, you know, it was chaotic. And this guy goes, but you could have been more caring. You could have given them notice. You know, you didn't have to sack them straight off the bat. You could have given them notice, man. Like, fine, good question. And Musk says, well, you know, we didn't have the burn for that, meaning, you know, cash. They were going to run out of cash if they didn't act quickly. So then this matey goes, well, you're a rich guy. You know, and Musk then says, well, yeah, but I had to sell a lot of Tesla stock that I didn't want to sell <laughs> to close the Twitter deal, right? And then this guy goes, okay. Like, what? Is that it? Like, is that where, right? Oh, oh cool, great. I guess you got to the bottom of that. Like, there was no prodding around, you know, like, why Why would he prioritise buying Twitter over Tesla stock? Why? Like, surely that goes against everything. All the shit that he says in, like, his appearances on Joe Rogan and, you know, God knows how many other podcasts, like, where he says that he wants to solve the problems facing humanity. You know? So, like, weaning cars off of fossil fuels and then intergalactic travel. So we're not just, you know, stuck on one planet. We can we can spread the cancer of humanity across two planets and maybe that will slow the spread down, I guess. But that is what he says. Like he's trying to solve problems. The ones that threaten human existence on Earth, right? So why would you sell a chunk of your stake in Tesla, an institution that is focused on that, to buy a fucking social network? Why? That doesn't make sense at all. Or can't we prod around, you know, about like the money that was borrowed to buy it? You know, and having to pay it back to the lenders that loaned it to Elon Musk. Like, how did that impact the redundancies and that burn rate? 
because it seemed to me like he borrowed a lot of cash right from banks and foreign investors no like he's he's a ceo and he's the lead acquisitioner for want of a better word but but a third of that 44 billion dollars that was used to buy twitter a third of that came from other people entirely and that money will not just need to be repaid but there's also interest payments on those loans which would make for a pretty urgent requirement to generate profit would it not so to bring this back when you say people were getting laid off in an uncaring not compassionate way and you say it's because there's only three months of cash left in the twitter bank accounts so you had to just lay them off hard and fast and then when we say well you're a rich guy you could have funneled some money in to ease that pain a bit and then when musk says well you know i already had to sell the tesla stock to buy twitter at that point you should say isn't it more probable and traditional that after a buyout the reason you cut costs dramatically is because the people who loaned you the money to buy the fucking thing want a return on their investment. And you have to pay interest on that shit. Like, who paid for it? Or like, you know, how much have you paid them back so far? But instead it was like, okay, yeah, fine. <laughs> like, like, I bet Elon Musk couldn't believe his fucking luck. I bet he was like, Jesus, is this it? Like, and then the worst bit, was this shit about the for you section so if you're not familiar with this twitter introduced a for you feed not so long ago and it is a copy of tiktok's thing basically but the idea is that you don't see a linear timeline anymore um, or even really content produced by people who you've chosen to follow. Instead, what you see is a curated list of tweets that the Twitter algorithm thinks you would be interested in reading. And invariably, that is scored on the other things that you have interacted with or replied to or, or spat venom at and so on, right? Like, so... So, like, you might like a tweet that I write, right? You might. I'm not saying it's guaranteed. You might like a tweet that I write if I call Dan Wooten a cunt or whatever. You might click like on that. But if you're served a tweet by Darren Grimes or that fucking article this morning, what was it like? I can't remember who, who it was by now, but someone was literally saying, like, what... What has come of this country when the police will confiscate your gollywogs? Like, like you'll be served, served that article. And because it's so enraging and ignorant and stupid, you will quote tweet it or you'll reply to it, you know, and you'll say something like a sane person would like, oh, my God, are you honestly concerned if someone gets their gollywogs taken over you think that should take over from in priority from like the everyday assault of institutional racism you think this bitch's gollywogs are the bigger issue facing the country really and then twitter scores that you replying to that or that quote tweet and it sends you more shit by that writer or that newspaper knowing you're more likely to interact with that content right and so as a byproduct of that setup 
your For You feed quite naturally becomes a cesspit of horrible stuff you actually have fuck all interest in. Like my For You feed right now is this. Right, let's let's take a look. Fuck it. This is anecdotal, obviously. But just for, you know, for shits and giggles, this is my For You feed. This is what Twitter has decided is for me. So first up, UK polling. It says uh, Jonathan Gullis might get ousted. Fucking steady on. <laughs> I've only just dried my pants from the YouGov one last night, lads. Anyway. UK polling. Fair enough. That's, you know, reasonably unbiased, not very enraging. It's OK, cool. Second one. Charles Moore. A telegraph column. <laughs> Here's the title of it. Uh, why is the left in the driving seat after 13 years of Tory rule? <laughs> like, am I into the telegraph? Do I think Charles Moore is for me? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Uh, what else have we got here? Um, last minute coronation change. TV camera ban. Wow, guys. Oh, what the, the royal family and the telegraph. You really are licking the tip here. Are you just going to tease me like this or are you going to give me the, the full throat filling Facebook live of someone harpooning a dinghy? Because clearly that's what I'm into here. Clearly that is for me. What's next? Oh, fucking hell. Dan Hodge's latest male plus column bashing Keir Starmer. Full house, guys. Ding, ding. Ring the bell. The For You feed is like fucking... I mean, I've got... What have I got? I've got Charles Moore, Dan Hodges, and King Charles. My fucking For You feed is like my <laughs> broken lift nightmare. You know, <laughs> like just jerks and shakes and and stops you know bef between floors 12 and 13 i'm like oh fuck I look up from my phone look around who else is in the lift i'm like oh shit are we stuck look around and there's like these three cunts in there with me like king charles dan hodges and charles moore in this fucking lift with me i'm like oh god the only thing worse than being stuck in a lift is being stuck in a lift with you three fuck this like I don't know, fun story about randomly getting stuck in a lift with three celebrities becomes a sad news story about a guy that committed suicide down a lift shaft. Like, that's where that would be headed. I don't know, maybe that's a bit traumatic. <laughs> like, like, I honestly think if I got stuck in a lift with Dan Hodges, King Charles and Charles Moore... You know, maybe Alison Pearson in there too. You know, just re really load it up. Real coterie of cunts in there. And then me, you know, the lift jams and we're all stuck in there together. I think I would kill myself by literally holding my breath because it's just something, there's something so much more cunty about doing that. Like, it's just so funnily self-terminating, isn't it? Like, like, sure, you know, load your 12 gauge and blow your fucking head off if you hate your cleaner too. But if you just want to stick two fingers up at the people you're surrounded by, people you would rather shut down your internal systems than experience for one second longer, I would be fine with them publicising that I had killed myself in that manner.
Just a real, you know, oh, fuck this. <laughs> Self-suffocate. I don't know why that, like, makes me laugh, but it does. Anyway, look, so my point is... Um, fuck, what was my point? Oh, right, yes. So the For You feed, the Elon Musk, the BBC interview. So... Wow. Oh, excuse me. So this was an awkward interview, right? Because the BBC guy, he says, he says, well, since you took over, the For You feed has become, you know, I've noticed a, an increase in hate speech in my For You feed. And Musk says, what? Like, really? And the guy then can't provide an example. And it gets really fucking awkward. And Musk, like, pushes him. And he can't do it. He's just vague. It's beige. It's just, like, the guy flounders and just flaps. And Musk is just, like, playing with him after that, you know? Like, I, I'm no fucking fanboy of, of Elon Musk. You may have gathered that. But, you know, this was him playing with the journalist for the rest of the interview. He just kept sort of referencing back the for you thing and the hate speech thing. Like, I think, I think Elon Musk has questions to answer. I do. Hopefully prepped ones. <laughs> because he didn't get them in the, like, but it's like, how are we, how are we squaring the idea that this guy, this journalist has been chasing an interview with Musk for weeks for months and then finally he gets his scoop elon musk agrees to the interview finally this guy this guy gets to ask him about the hate speech on the for you feed and musk is like uh wait could, could you could you give me an example and the guy's like well you know i, I don't have one to hat and it kind of gets heated like they're being civil to each other because they're both professionals right but you can tell like, this is awkward now. And it's like, he's like, well, give me an example. You can't give me one example. I would say to you that you don't know what you're talking about to this journalist. And the journalist is like, well, it's so fucking awkward. And it made me angry because it's like, there obviously are examples out there of hate speech on the For You page. How have you not got them to hand, you fucking idiot? How is this motherfucker not prepped? It's like, just imagine if it was like, David Frost, back in the day, like uh, President Nixon, um, it's it's been suggested that that you have obstructed justice and engaged in a cover-up. Oh, could, could you uh, give, give me some examples? Uh, well, um, well, no, no, I uh, can't. I, I've actually been very, very busy of late uh, to be able. Well, then I shall be on my way. <laughs> like it's like that. Just painful. Like, I hope the guy that did the interview learns from it. I don't want to be too much of a cunt here. He says, after having been a massive cunt about it. But it's just, you know, it's infuriating. Because when you are a supporter of the BBC, as I am, as you probably are, and we all know the shit that they get for, you know, for being biased and metropolitan elite and too liberal and, and all that stuff. Like, isn't it hard enough having to defend the BBC against these Daily Mail, GB News cretins on a good day? Isn't it hard enough? And now you just want to fucking mainline free ammunition to them. Like, how does this interview come off in the right wing press now, do you think?
I'm about to tell you. Like, here's, here's a couple I found earlier. A couple that I prepped, if you will. GB News says, uh, BBC berated over appalling Elon Musk interview in which journalists ran out of things to ask. That's GB News. Now, I hate to agree with GB News, but that's how it comes off. The Daily Mail. The Daily Mail. They've said, you don't know what you're talking about. Elon Musk destroys ill-prepared BBC reporter in car crash interview and accuses him of lying about Twitter hate speech being on the rise. Like, you motherfuckers are making a hard thing harder by being this ill-prepared. Anyway, so that was the BBC Elon Musk interview. What else happened this week? The gollywog shit was absolutely astounding. Like, what the fuck, man? Gollywog gate. Even saying gollywog feels problematic, doesn't it? Maybe it is. <laughs> Maybe. Am I accidentally, like, using a slur or a word that I should? Hopefully you can take this in the spirit with which it was intended. But let's talk about this. And I, I know I'm a little bit late to the game here because I've been off on, on holiday for the week. I'm, I'm not going to go off on a deep one, but I'm just going to say this. Here is the honest truth of that situation. Take it or leave it. But I promise you this is 100% accurate. This is 100% what this shit is is actually about here we go these two cunts in their cunty pub in the worst part of essex are obvious racists okay they've got their gollywogs they've got their historic comments on facebook they've got their refusal to take down or apologize for the gollywogs They've got their history of the guy, I think, was pictured in a Britain First t-shirt. They tick all the fucking boxes, okay? Now, if you were a sane person and not a racist, if you found that, I don't know, let's say you ran a pub, you took over a pub, whatever. If you found that totally innocently, for reasons unknown, a gollywog was actually on display in your pub and people alerted you to it, like I don't know if you know, but that's actually offensive, that thing up there. Um, I don't know why that's there. Like a normal person would be like, holy fuck. Oh god, I'm I'm so sorry. Oh fucking no. Like I I don't hate black people. I oh I I feel sick that you would even ask. Ah here it is. Take it, please. The, like the last thing that I want is like anyone thinking that me or my pub would be aligned with that fucking disgusting nonsense that is what a sane person would say that is how a normal person would react right now if you're insane <laughs> if you're if you're deluded if you're not only racist but actually pretty fucking stupid you would do what they have done which is not apologize you would give insulting excuses for the britain first t-shirt <laughs> Like, it's so, it's so pathetic that it's funny, you know? Like, you know when your kid gives you a shit excuse? Is that like, did you break the plant pot? Uh, no, no, it's, um, uh, it's just really windy. The wind, like, blew the 
the vase out. Right, okay. You know, <laughs> just a shit excuse. That is what this is. They were like, yeah, wh why was your husband in a, in a Britain first t-shirt? Like you say, you're not racist. You say the gollywogs aren't about racism or about, you know, colour or anything. They're just old toys. Or so, right, so you say that you're not racist, but your your husband was wearing a Britain first t-shirt. This is this is her excuse. Oh, uh, well, uh, yeah, I think it was just. I think it was just like there there wasn't anything else to wear that day. Like, bitch, why do you even have that shirt lying around, you dappy bint? Like, I just I just think there wasn't anything else to to wear that. Like, even on my worst fucking laundry day. Today, in fact, <laughs> when I've when I've come back from holiday and all my clothes fucking stink of sweat and they've got sand in the pockets and I've got chip fat all over them because, yes, I'm disgusting. And I wipe my hands on my shorts when I should use a napkin. You've got me guilty. But like, even then, when all of my clothes are disgusting, even then, do you know what I do? I run in the house. I put a wash on. And I chill in my fucking PJs for the day. <laughs> That's what I do. You know what I don't do? You know what doesn't happen literally ever? It's like, yeah, um, babe, babe, what, what, what am I supposed to wear, man? Like, all, all my clothes are in the wash. Oh, just, um, just put your grand wizard and big white hat on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Thanks. Yeah, I'll do that. Like, like how fucking ridiculous is it? Guys, uh, guys, listen, um, I'm sorry, uh, I'm not wearing the right attire for tonight. Uh, everything's in the wash. I, I, I really want to make it, but I, I, I just don't think I'm, I'm... Oh, that's okay, Aid. Yeah, don't, it's not black tie or anything. Just come down. Rock up a half an hour later. Like, why the fuck are you wearing a Nazi uniform? <laughs> I'm like, look, I, I did say, guys. <laughs> Utterly fucking ludicrous. So here is what it is, right? Here is what this is. These two are racist and they're clearly involved in racist subcultures, be it Britain first or fucking something else. And they can't come out and actually say we're not racist. We completely reject this stuff. Yes, we'll take the dolls down because that would expend social collateral within their social circles. They won't be invited to the same dinner parties. They won't get to go to the same white supremacy festivals. You get the idea. They'll be ostracized. So they refuse to take them down instead, right? And they don't apologize. And in, like the only card that they've got left to play is to then accuse everyone else of overreacting, which is why you're reading the stories of them saying it's political correctness gone mad, etc. And then, like fucking clockwork, contrarians on a pay meter step in and shop articles to the Times, the actual fucking Times, a broadsheet paper publishing the shit sake, like defending the pub's right to showcase their racism, which is just, I mean, I suppose it's a sort of public service, isn't it? Like, it's handy to know where the cunts are in a way, isn't it? Like, in a weird way, their little dolls hanging up there could have been reappropriated, I think. You know, like they used to be a symbol of ignorance, hate, bigotry. Now, you find them sort of dangling in pubs <laughs> and they're like a sort of, you know, a siren alerting you that you're surrounded by cunts. Like that's, 
They could have served a purpose. I don't know. But yeah, the fucking times, man. It's a times piece. Seemingly defending this shit. By Deborah Ross. And that this was it. This was the, the piece I was talking about earlier. It was like... um. It says, what kind of world is it when the police could seize your gollywogs? And look, you know, it's possible that this is a parody or a satirical piece. But you know what? This bitch works for the fucking spectator and the mail as well as the time. So I'm going to err on the side, of course not. It's not satirical. <laughs> I don't think. So the couple of racist... They can't bring themselves to take down the dolls for social reasons. The right-wing press are like, well, what's the big deal? It's free speech. You know, they, they put up a thing outside saying, if you don't like gollies, don't come in. I mean, it's, a, it's free speech, guys. This is from the, the same people who come from both balls when Steve Bray gets his megaphone taken off him. <laughs> like, free speech. With a twist. Well, of course, of course they should be allowed their racist dolls because it's part of the conversation, guys. It's about starting a dialogue. It's about freedom of speech, freedom of expression. You try exercising your freedom of speech by blocking a road to save the planet. And then it'll be like fucking radio phone. It's like, yeah, I mean, it's a bit annoying, though, isn't it? You know, fuck it. I, lock them up. I say, I say, lock them up and throw away the key, to be honest with you, Nick. I think they're all theatre school kids from Surrey, aren't they? You know, never done a good day's work in their lives, have they? Now, now they're blocking me from taking my kids to school on my way to my job. Bloody lock them up for years, Nick. We've had enough. I've had enough. Thanks for taking me cool. Like, <laughs> that's... Like, here's an idea, right? Maybe Just Stop Oil should wear gollywog costumes so right-wingers get confused and support them. How about that shit? That might work. It'd be like, these these kids up there, they've blocked the flyover. They've blocked the flyover. I think it's an environmental campaign. The other guy will be like, those insolent little shits. Oh, no, 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 wait, wait. Sorry, my... My mistake. No, no, they're they're all in blackface performing minstrel numbers. Oh, all right, okay. Oh, don't move them then. No, don't don't you dare move them. Don't cancel them. <laughs> anyway, what else has happened this weekend? Well, I'll tell you guys. If you just you know, if you, be patient. I'm getting to it. Just let me get my bearings here. All right, I've been off for a week. Let me just get ease myself back into this. Quick sip. Wait the whistle. Liz Truss was in the, the news again this week, right? Should we talk about Lizzie? Let's talk about Lizzie. Do I need to break down what's happening with her too? Let's do it. Fuck it. Let's you know, let's let's dig into it. Liz Truss. Here's her deal. She became party leader last year. Because the majority of Tory members can't keep their dicks limp over Margaret Thatcher. And she was the latest fucking conveyor belt clone that the tabloids were hyping as fucking Thatcher 2.0. Okay. And that was based on two things. One, they both had vaginas. 
had. <laughs> I don't know why that was past tense. I mean, yes, Margaret Thatcher had a vagina, I'm relatively certain, but prob probably not anymore. Liz Truss still does, I imagine. Um, I mean, I'm not literally imagining. Let's fucking move on. Uh, but they had that in common, right? And then there was the other thing. Two, second thing, right, was that Truss had vocal coaching to sound more like Thatcher. So they both sound like Margaret Thatcher. But that is it, right? They sound like it. I mean, you know, Creed sounded like Pearl Jam, but they're not fucking Pearl Jam, all right? I mean, this is the shit that always gets me with the Tories. Like, like how could anyone think that the Conservative Party have the vision that we need for the future? You know, they are totally devoid of it. I mean, like, even apart from all the distractive culture war nonsense, you know, which is obviously completely devoid of vision and policy. It's just there to distract. But even if you push that aside, like, the best they can do is, you know, Theresa May. And then the headline will be like, the Iron Lady 2.0, question mark, you know, and then Trust comes along like, is Trust the new Iron Lady, you know, and then Boris Johnson steps at like the next Churchill question. Like the best they can do is wheel out a Tesco value version of the shit that they already did decades ago. And like maybe that leader had some good qualities, but they were good qualities for the problems that Britain faced at that time. They're not the good qualities that we need in a leader for the problems that we're facing now. We need someone that embodies the vision that we need to take us into the 21st century, not a constant rehash of shit that already took place fucking 30, 50 years ago. Anyway, she wasn't Thatcher. Spoiler alert. She was not Margaret Thatcher after all. She was shit and uh, given the job almost entirely because of that whole Thatcher fetish thing with, you know, with a healthy dollop of home counties racism in there too i'm sure like you know that's what it was it was it was like you know faced with the choice of a woman leading the party or a brown man leading the party. you know it's a, that is a toughie for the conservative membership that is a tough call having to decide whether to adhere to the innate conservative sexism or the innate conservative racism. Like, which of my core principles do I portray here? Anyway, they went for Truss. And she had the job for 40 days and 40 nights, or, you know, or thereabouts. That was it. Just over a month. And you know what? Most of that was the fucking official mourning period for the Queen. So, like, I mean, most of it she just had off, right? She was probably fucking off having a great time. Sat with her feet up, slugging back the G&Ts, enjoying herself. I know I was, you know? <laughs> off work, having a good time, laughing, drinking. We all grieve in different ways, guys. But in the other half of that month, she managed to upend the economy so bad that the Bank of England had to magic £30 billion to buy back bonds because people were flogging them like a fucking fire sale. People were like, hold, hold on to your dicks. Britain's gone batshit. Give me back, give me back my long-term investment in the UK money. 
before before the whole shit envelopes, you know. I don't know why that guy's American. It just, you know, it sort of felt right. But they slashed all these taxes. They refused to release the OBR assessment, presumably because that was really negative. They were like, what, what the fuck are you doing here, Lizzie? Crazy, what, you, you're playing with fire here, you know. So they didn't release that. And then the markets were like, well, there's nothing backing this policy. The markets went bullsack crazy. In two weeks. That's what she... Like, imagine what she could have done if she hadn't been off mourning for the first half of that month. Like, thank God the Queen died, guys, right? <laughs> like, just just imagine what a full month of uninterrupted trussonomics might have entailed. Anyway, she is the reason that your mortgage ballooned or your rent is about to. She failed like every other Tory PM to fucking price cap your energy. She was an abysmal end of the pier clown show of a prime minister. And all of that is what happened. She fucked up. She sent the economy spiraling. And frankly, anyone with a modicum of integrity would have quit politics in her position. Like, walk away and spend the rest of your life fucking offering yourself up as a as a like fucking slapping parlor or something like like you know how like like way back way back in the day they would have like a kissing parlor at like you know the sort of country fair sort of thing like it would be some it would be like a you know problematic 1950s child trafficking pimp i guess like who'd put the neighborhood beauty queen behind a stall and charge every 45-year-old man in the town five cents to kiss her. Like, Liz Trust should do that, but she could charge, like, £10, and every embittered former homeowner would line up. There'd be queues around the block to pay a tenner to slap her around the face with a wet kipper. Just a real demeaning, heartfelt slap round the chops with this stinky fucking fish. I would queue up for that shit. Like, it's funny, like, people are always going on about the national debt and how hard it is for small businesses. Fucking bullshit. Like, you just have to, you just have to give them a product that they'd be willing to pay £10 for. People would pay a tenner for that. They'd go with their mates. They'd queue up three or four times, such as the ill will bubbling away in the hearts of the men that make up the collateral damage from her fiscal fuckery. Anyway, that's what she should do post-parliament what like what she shouldn't be doing is getting flown to the u.s to give speeches about how she underestimated the pushback she would get from liberal institutions and how high taxes are the result of woke culture and all this other fucking nonsense like that is the thing that gets me Man, it's all of this bollocks that comes oozing out of her noise hole, you know? Like, it's obviously ridiculous. It is provable nonsense. Like, she, she reckons high taxes are the result of woke culture. Well, let's fucking examine that. What, what does she mean by that? High taxes are the result of woke culture. So, what, like HR business partners and... and diversity targets and what like um employment rights legislation right that, that that is the assertion i think 
well, okay, well, where where does the national debt fit into that? Like the reason our taxes are so high is because we pay so, so much interest on the national debt, you fucking idiot. We pay literally billions in interest, like not even paying off the shit. And then you've got this aging population that needs servicing, for want of a better word. You know, you you don't want to invest in the public services that they need because it's so fucking ideologically opposed to anything going into the public sector. So guess what? It's shit and it gets shitter every year that you don't invest in it. It costs more to maintain. And so people's fucking taxes go up. And then you've got immigration, right? You could get younger people flying in on visas, whatever. You could get younger people in to plug the gap, to service the ageing population. But you don't want to do that either. Then you got, what else have we got? We got the huge expense of childcare, you know, because the implication would be like, okay, look, you don't want to get immigrants in to service the ageing population. So we'll just grow our own, right? We'll just have young Brits. We'll, you know, we'll just have more British babies and they will grow up to work and earn tax and blah, blah, blah. And then that will plug the gap. We don't need immigrants. We'll just have, you know, uh, what, what's the word? Not domestic, uh, indigenous. We'll just have an indigenous young people to service the Asian population. Well, OK, but then childcare expense comes into it. Nobody's having babies because it's too fucking expensive. And it just exacerbates the problem. You've got no babies, no young people, no immigrants. You know, there's a shortage of young people working then, so fewer people paying tax, and then the people who are working and paying tax are having to pay more because you have that overarching older demographic. And that is what is happening, fucking Thatcher 2.0. Um, no. No, 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 I'm pretty sure it's just, um... It's just woke culture. That's... That's what it is. Like, I, I put this thing on Instagram the other day, like... And look, I'm, I'm not proud of it. Um, well, actually, I'm a, a little bit proud of it. But like, it was, it was like that. Right. So, picture this. I'm, I'll, I'll set the scene for you. Here we go. Picture this. It was a doctor giving bad news to a couple. Okay, a man and a woman. And the doctor says, "I'm sorry to tell you both. Um, sorry to have to inform you of this, but the, the baby was." starved of oxygen for nine whole minutes and the mother is like oh my god oh my god oh god doctor doctor is she okay like will she will she be able to live a normal life and then it cuts to 45 years later and it's liz trust just going it's all down to woke culture like who is flying her over there by the way who is paying for her to fly over there stay in a nice hotel to stand up there and say that bullshit because this is the thing that gets me. It's like, I'm not even a fucking journalist. Like, who am I even? I'm just some guy you found on Twitter or TikTok ranting at my phone like some doddery old bastard on a traffic island shouting at cars. But even I can see how this works. <laughs> so who the fuck at this think tank can't say, like, you know, like what they called it? It's the fucking Heritage Foundation? That's... That's the think tank that she gave a speech at, right? Like, what are they paying her for? Do they not know that she's talking shit? Like, if they're a think tank, I have to assume that they're reasonably au fait 
with all things politics, right? With drivers, with the polls, with the reasons for why things are the way that they are. So even if you could find it within the constraints of your character to take this bitch seriously as a political figure after having tanked the UK economy, after having fucked everything up in what, fucking 20 days? Even if you set that aside, guys, you know, we all, we all have bad fortnights, right? Even if you push that to the side, wouldn't you just be pissed off that she doddles up on the stage and starts speaking demonstrable nonsense for the what fucking a hundred grand that you probably paid her? Because <laughs> I like I could talk some shit for you. I could like I don't want to brag, but you know I do it twice a week for an hour a pop. And my Patreon is good. It is. I, I'm thankful for it, guys. Really, I am. But I'm just saying, like, if the bar is this low that you'll pay a cognitively challenged idiot a hundred grand to babble rubbish at you, I'm just saying I could do it for 50. I may even be more credible. Guys, that's it. Quick shout out to the Patreons before I have to go. Uh, you guys rock. Thank you so much for continuing to show your love to the podcast. You give my funny bone a funny boner. I'm just going to give a quick... um. Uh, name and shame to you all for uh, for continuing uh, your support. Uh, Joseph Rodri, um, Samantha, Mojo Sabian, Bowman, Jeff, Ailsa, Eddie and Kai. And then we've got Stuart, Anthony, Pingu, David, Alex, Chris, Silent, T-Rex, Sarah and Kerry. Thank you so, so much. You guys mean the world to me. I'm really looking forward to meeting up with you all at the next Patreon meetup. That's Friday the 28th of April in London. Um, it's not too late to get involved in that, by the way. Uh, I'm going to be there. I'm going to try and get some of my cohorts from the worlds of uh, politics and satire. Um, get them down too. Last time was great fun, man. I got to meet a bunch of you and I drank an unhealthy amount and I felt absolutely fucking dog eggs the next morning what will happen this time who who honestly could say um although hopefully it will involve neurofen which as i recall was in drought last time and that you know was actually not a fun experience the next day anyway also on the patreon uh, if you jump on there you get first look at the live show so i did one with danny price a few weeks back that was at uh, 21 soho we had a night of stand-up a live panel um, Danny did the emceeing for it. Anyway, the next one is going to be in July. I'm just going to do that one by myself. And that will sell out. So get involved. Jump on the Patreon now. I'm giving you heads up, giving you a warning. It will sell out. So jump on the Patreon if you want to come to something like that. Uh, all episodes of the podcast also go out to Patreon backers two days before everyone else. Uh, so if you want these episodes coming out super topical, nice and quick, jump on the Patreon. And finally, you get access to the Discord, the instant messaging chat room. I'm in there every day. The other Patreon backers are in there. We share memes. We take the piss out of Tories. It's a good time, man. Uh, it's like being in a social club, except the other people aren't all fucking annoying. That sort of thing. I, I don't know if that's a hard sell or not. Um, anyway, Patreon starts £3 a month. Super cheap. Get on it. It's patreon.com forward slash aid Thompson with an I-N on the end. Guys, that's it from me uh, for now. I'll be back on Wednesday for the solo show. Until then, stay booge. Keep it hashtag Bimfluencer. I'm out this motherfucker. Bimfluencer.